0: Hi everybody. How are you this morning? Fantastic. Hey, uh, I am so thrilled to be here and doing this this morning. I just got back from vacation. So I took my little family on vacation to Florida. You probably could tell by the uh, glorious tan on my face. Which is probably blinding you from this vantage point. Uh, yeah, I don't tan well, people. It it was rainy and cloudy while we were there, but I really have more sun-repellent face than anything. Uh, and don't get me started about my legs. But uh, someday this summer, you'll get to experience them for yourself. Um, so anyway, we had a great time, but I, it's so great to be back home in Austin, Texas. No greater place. Uh so this morning, I wanna—I just wanna share some ideas with you that that uh, Jesus has really worked in my heart and in my life in a pretty rich and significant way. And today, I want you to find some hope. I want you to have a lot of hope that fills your heart and your life. So uh, you'll have to excuse me though as we go through this, because as Ross said, I, I am a youth pastor. I'm a youth pastor of the core. That's really who I am. So I've been that way. Really, I received the call of God to be in youth ministry when I was a real little guy. And now uh, I hope to do that for the rest of my life uh, in some way, shape, or form. We'll see what Jesus says about that. But that's my hope. So you've got you to gotta understand, though, I, I, uh, I might relapse into some things. You, I, I speak to teenagers all the time. It's, it's what I do. So if you're, you know, if, you, if you're taking notes on your phone, I might mistake it. And I'm like, I see you, Mandy. I see you. I might mistake it, and I might, I might, you know, say, hey, 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 put that phone down. Put that phone down. Uh-huh. Yeah, Darren, I see you. Not take, you're not taking notes. You're texting, right? See, I just it hap- I just do it, okay? So if I do that to you, I apologize in advance. Or, or if I jump out, and, you know, you're married, and you're sitting by your spouse, and I'm like, hey, 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 save room for Jesus, you know, and I push you aside or try to try to get my Bible in between you or something, Get away from... Th- if, I, if that happens, then uh, I apologize. You'll have to just roll through the punches with me. I don't think I'm going to do it because I can't seem to get through all of this equipment and seating. So I think you're safe. But just want to make sure. Um, but I, I do want to spend some time here in the Word and share this deal that's kind of been in me and, and working through me. And so can we pray about it real quick? Let's just take a few minutes. Let's just pray and uh, we'll jump in. Heavenly Father... We love you, you're incredible, and we ask right now that you'd fill us and flood us once again with your Holy Spirit, and that you would speak words of life through me that are not mine but yours. And um, Father, we pray that you'd anoint every hearer in this room to hear what you have to say to them, lead us and guide us, transform us, change us, give us the hope that only you can give today. And help us to walk out of here strengthened and uh, better, further along with you than when we walked in. That's our prayer this morning. We love you and we love your word. Thank you in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Go to Matthew chapter 8 if you got your Bibles with you. Matthew chapter 8. I'm going to start in verse 18. Matthew chapter 8 verse 18. I'm going to read through this passage just a little bit so you can kind of camp out there for a little while. Matthew eight eighteen. Here's what it says. In the NIV Bible, it's got a little heading that says the cost of following Jesus. It says uh, in verse 18, when Jesus saw the crowd around him, he gave orders to cross to the other side of the lake. And then a teacher of the law came to him and said, teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus replied, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the son of man has no place to lay his head. Another disciple said to him, Lord, first, let, let me go and bury my father. But Jesus told him, follow me and let the dead bury their own dead. See, I, I, I love this about Jesus because Jesus, he didn't, he didn't follow uh, the lines of culture. Today, a lot of times what we'll do is th- I find that even I've done it myself. I've been guilty of this, that we'll kind of, we'll try to sell a little bit that we don't need to sell. We'll try to say, hey. Come come and, come and live for Jesus. Come and give your life to Jesus, and everything's going to be great. Come and live your life for Jesus, and things are going to be fantastic. It'll be smooth sailing from there. I know your life has been rough, but come and give your life to Jesus, and it's going to be awesome. It will be puppy dogs and rainbows and so wonderfully fantastic. Well, Jesus never does that. You always find Jesus kind of, he's walking around with crowds, and he'll turn around, and he'll try to whittle it down, <laughs> he'll try to cut away at some of that crowd, and he's doing it right here, he's saying, look, uh, the guys are saying, hey, we, I want to follow you wherever you go, I I, I want to do whatever you're going to do, and he says, are you sure, are you sure, because it's not going to be easy, look, I don't even know where we're going to sleep tonight, all right, so, if you want to follow me, it's going to be rough. Are you ready to rough it? Or are you saying to this other guy, no, don't go back and, and bury Don't go bury him. Listen, just you're to be about life. Come with me. Come with me and let's go. Let's do this life thing. Now, I think that this is what he does often. Jesus, Jesus, he says, yeah, follow me. And just like Pastor Ross said last week, talking about getting in the game, living a life for Jesus. Advancing the kingdom of God in our generation. This is what Jesus calls us to do. But he guarantees every one of us that it's not going to be easy. He guarantees everybody, if you will go on this journey with him, it will be difficult. And so there are times I've experienced in life, and maybe you have too, where you, 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 you struggle a bit from time to time. A circumstance happens in your life Something happens with your family. Something happens with your career. Something happens with your finances. And on and on and on. Something happens with your church. Something happens just over and over and over again. Life throws you curveballs. Is that right? Have you experienced that? It's not just life and godliness. It's just life. That's what happens in the midst of life. And Jesus says, I'm going to be with you to help you through that. It'll be hard, but I'm going to be with you. And so, as you proceed in this passage, I think there are some things to uncover and discover that I want to unpack for just a few minutes. Can we do that? So let's continue on in this, pac- in this passage. In verse 23, it says, "Then, so after all this, then he gets in the boat, and his disciples followed him. And without warning, a furious storm came up on the lake. So the waves swept over the boat. But Jesus was sleeping." The disciples went and woke him, saying, Lord, save us, we're gonna drown. He replied, Oh, you of little faith, why are you so afraid? And then he got up and he rebuked the winds and the waves, and it was completely calm. The men were amazed and asked, What kind of man is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. Now you read that and you read that through, and I don't know, maybe about 30, 45 seconds or so, maybe a minute. You read that through and you think, Yes. Yes, that is what I want. That's the way life should be. Sign me up for that. That is the Sunday school version of life, and I love it. That's the way it should go. Because what happened? You know, Jesus, he says, hey, let's all go get in the boat. They go, they jump in the boat. The disciples are good disciples. They do what he said, when he said it, how he said it. And then a a storm comes up, comes up pretty fast. And by the way, that is the way most storms come up in the middle of life. Pretty fast and furious, and they just smack you. And so it comes up pretty fast, but the waves are sweeping over the boat, and everybody's having a hard time, and they're getting scared. Jesus, he's in the back. He's sleeping. The disciples, they're having their moment of panic and trying to bail the water out. So they go and wake him up, and he wakes up. He looks around. What's going on? Why are you guys so afraid? He steps out to the front of the boat, and he says, Hey, peace, be still, and the wind and the waves calm down, and everybody says, Oh, Jesus. It's so true. We, we did have little faith, didn't we? I know I did. You? Yeah, I know. Ah. And they learn their lesson, and they go on to do great things for the kingdom of God. We love that story. Sign me up for that. My life doesn't work that way. Does yours? It hasn't always played out that way. I think we love to subscribe to that. We read it so quickly, but, but we, we want to sign up for kind of a sitcom Christianity. Where in about, in the span of about 20 minutes or so, we can go through all the rough stuff of life. But give me 20 minutes, and so I can get through it, and I'll get on with what I'm supposed to be doing. Give me 20 minutes to work through this, and then I'll, I'll be okay, and I'll, I'll take care of my kids. G- give me 20 minutes, and then I'll be a good husband, I'll take care of my wife. Give me 20 minutes to work through the storm that's hitting me right now, it's too big for me, alright? So give me just a little bit of time, and then I'll be the wife that I need to be for my husband and my family. Give me a little bit of time to push through this, and then I'll get back to my career. Give me a little time, and, and I'll get back again. I'll come back around to, to sharing my faith with friends and people in my sphere of influence. Give me a little more time, and I'll work through it, and then I'll get back to, to being a good Christian. I'll get back to being godly. I'll get back to advancing the kingdom of God in my generation. Just let me have my time. I'm going through this thing. I'm convinced that's not the way Jesus has called us to live. To not be thrown back, to not be overwhelmed, to not be too angry, too depressed, too overcome by the life and the storms that's happening all around us, to not be able to do the things that he's called us to do. And by the way, he has called us to do all those things that I just mentioned. To spread the great commission, to share faith with others, to raise godly families, to be godly husbands and spouses, that's what he's called us to do. And I'm convinced that he can give us everything that we need to do it. So this idea of sitcom Christianity, it, it, it just, it doesn't work. That's not the way it rolls out. So today, I want to I talk about this for just a few minutes and investigate this passage. Because I know that for me, my life has not always worked out that way. I remember a time where um, we'd just gone through a pretty rough thing at the church we came from in Colorado. And right in the midst of that, about, I don't know, two two weeks later, maybe about two weeks later after the, the thing kind of hit and, and real hard things were happening and hard decisions at the church and lots of stuff was going crazy and we were already overwhelmed. And I took my daughter, Aurora, she was about eight or nine months at the time, and we took her to the doctor and took her to the pediatrician and he said, you know, I'm just concerned about her, her head seems a little bit large and I... I'm not sure. She doesn't seem to be responding the way that she should. Her core muscles don't seem strong enough, and so I think we need to do some testing. I'm very concerned about this, and I, this is not looking. and he didn't have a great bedside manner, and so I'm, I was freaking out. This is my first little girl, and so I remember going home at that afternoon after getting prescription for MRIs and all the different things and tests we were going to have to go through and endure, and I remember standing there with Marie at the kitchen table in silence and just saying, Maria, uh, I can't do this. I can't do this. I can't. Uh, this is, I'm already overwhelmed. I, I can't take this on too right now. And I was frozen and I was discouraged and I was depressed and it lasted for a while. Now, as we prayed through it and worked through it, I can say, you know, on this side of it, God worked it through and she was okay. And at the end, through the testing and the neurosurgeon and all the stuff that we had to walk through, ended up, well... Daddy has a big head, she had a big head. <laughs> it's hard to lift that thing off the ground, I'm just saying. So once she once she figured out how to get that thing off the ground, her core muscles strengthened, she developed just fine. She's a great healthy little girl today, but what are you gonna do? Have you met my father? It's just uh, just just it's okay, he's here, he knows, and so uh we're proud to have the same style of head. Anyway, that's a a small illustration. It's very small, I know. Some of you are saying, well, that's that's nothing. I get that. I I understand. I've got lots of other things that I could bring out, and I know that you have stories, too. I know that you've been through some incredible and difficult circumstances. I know that many of you are walking through them right now today. I know that that's true, but let's go back into this story, because here's the thing. I am convinced, I am convinced that God did not intend for us to live our lives between storms. He didn't intend for us to live our lives between the storms of life, where everything's okay in the middle, and as long as things are okay, I can do this, I can be great, I can advance the kingdom of God, I can be a great husband and father. He planned on us doing that all the time, not through our own strength, but through His so there's no doubt that Jesus is the one who calms those storms in our lives. But he also, he's also the one who guaranteed us that we're going to have them. In John 16, he says, In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, because I have overcome the world. In this world, you're going to have some trouble, but take heart because I have overcome it. I have the strength. So as we go back through this passage one more time, and if you'll just if you'll allow me to just read it one more time. I know we've already read it and to go back seems a little bit silly and trivial, but listen, I, for one I believe there's great power in the word of God. And then and then I want you to just think about it from the perspective of Jesus today. Just think about it from because typically when we read it, we read it from the disciples' perspective. That's really kind of the way it's told, and that's who we associate with most. And so we we read it and go, yeah, the storms, oh, they're rough. Oh, Jesus, help me. But think about what's going on with Jesus here in verse 23. He gets in the boat, and his disciples followed him. And without warning, a furious storm comes up on the lake. So the waves swept over the boat, but Jesus was sleeping. The disciples went and woke him, saying, Lord, save us. We're going to drown. And he replied, you of little faith, why are you so afraid? And then he got up, rebuked the wind and the waves, and it was completely calm. The men were amazed and asked, what kind of man is this? Even the wind and waves obey him. So you see Jesus' perspective here. As this storm is happening all around, a pretty serious and violent, furious storm, Jesus is fast asleep in the back of the boat. He didn't need for the storm to subside for him to be at peace. He didn't need that. He wasn't the least bit nervous. In fact, he's totally and completely unaware. (laughs) He doesn't even know what's going on. He's fast asleep. I I hope this isn't offensive to you, but I I, kind of picture it in this way. Uh, He was fully God and fully man, so I picture him just crashed out, mouth all hanging open, you know, a little bit of holy drool just kind of rolling down his face. And he's just... Out enjoying the peace in the midst of all of this craziness. Why? How? It's because he knew who he really was. He knew and he knows that he is God. He knows he has full control. He has nothing to worry about here. There's nothing that's concerning him, there's nothing that's surprising him, there's nothing that's taking him off guard. He knows he's God. Now the disciples—they don't know this yet. They're learning. They're—they're they're growing. They're figuring it out, as many of us are today. But they didn't quite understand fully who they were dealing with, not yet. And I don't know if you ever fully get there. But the disciples—they're scared because they don't understand. It's why in verse 27 they say, what, what, "What kind of man is this that the wind and the waves obey him? Who—who who is this guy?" See, I think that life's storms reveal what you're really made of. When the storm of life hits you, it's then that you discover what's really inside of you. It's then that you find out what your faith is really like. It's then that you uncover what you really believe about who Jesus is and what he can do and how much he said he could do that he can actually do. And I think here in this passage, it reveals just a few things about Jesus. Now, we could go on for days and days and days on the things to be revealed about Jesus through the Scriptures. I'm just going to highlight three things that I want to highlight today that I think are important. Number one, he's a citizen of heaven. Not just a citizen. He's obviously the creator of heaven and earth and everything else. But he's a citizen of heaven. John 3.13 talks about how No one has gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. He is the only one who has come from heaven. The only one true God who has come down from heaven to live amongst us, to give His life, to die and to rise again and to go back in, sit at the right hand of the Father and intercede for us. He's the only one who's come from heaven. And so Jesus, knowing all of this, He knows That everything here is temporary. It's all temporary. This is it. It's a breath, it's a vapor. He's passing through. We're passing through. He knew that his life was more than the current situation on a boat in a storm that he found himself in. He was about so much more. He had a much larger picture. He knew that he didn't come born of a virgin, born in a manger living, growing in favor with God and with men and then healing, teaching only to get in a boat and drown at the bottom of the Sea of Galilee for all of our sins. That wasn't what he came to do. He knew that his purpose was much larger. He was from heaven. He's a citizen of heaven and if you follow him, so are you. So if that's true, then your time here is temporary. It's a vapor. The season that you're going through, it's temporary. It's not going to last forever. One day, one day, all will be made right. He's a citizen of heaven, and if you, if you follow him, you are too. Second thing I want to pull out really quick is that he has all authority in heaven and on earth. Matthew 28, 16 through 20. It's the Great Commission. Most of us are familiar with it. He says, all authority, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to him. You, you realize what that means in heaven and on earth. So, so that means that all all everything that is spiritual, he has authority over. Everything that is physical, he has authority and control over. The natural world, he has authority and control over. He is in charge. Not over just a little bit of it, not just over a piece of it, but here it comes. Cheesy little preacher moment. How much is all? Don't you love that? I do. It's fun. Not just some. All of it. He's in control of all. He holds it all together. He keeps it all together. He spans the, the entire universe with his palm. He is massive and enormous. He is great. He is awe-inspiring. He has control of your life. So that means, that means, think of it, I didn't hear that, think of it. That means that, that if this God lives in you, you can participate in his authority, his power, his life at work in you. You don't have to fear. Third thing, he's working for your good. Romans 8.28 in all things, God works for the good of those who love Him and have been called according to His purpose. And here in this passage, He He is working for their good. He, you know, notice He didn't let them drown. I mean, they didn't they didn't go down. He He rescued them. He's working all things together for good. I read a, a quote the other day. It was actually through a tweet, and it came from uh, Louis Giglio. And some of you know who that is. He's the founder of the Passion Movement. And it said this, it said, God does everything good in the end. If it's not good, it's not the end. God does everything good in the end. If it's not good, it's not the end. And I know, I know what some of you would say in response to that. But Brent, you don't understand what I'm going through. And you don't understand how long it's been. And you don't understand what we have been through. I, I, it's true. And I would never presume to understand that. I know that many of your circumstances have been so much more than things that have happened to me. And for me, maybe more than some of yours. It's really pointless and useless for any of us to get into that argument to compare. Because when life happens to you, life happens to you. When storms happen to you, it's a storm. It's stormy. It's hard and scary. It's frightening. But if you're still walking through it and you'd say, it is not good and it's been a long time. I don't buy that. You know what? It's just simply not the end yet. And I'm sorry that you're still walking through that. But everything in the end will be okay. He's working for the good you know, the issue with all of this really is just timing. It's just timing and seasons. And some of them are longer than others. And we wish that it wasn't the case. Unfortunately, it is. I like to think of it and explain it to students in this way. I, I like to picture kind of a parade going by. I just came back from Disney World, and so I saw lots of great parades. I like to think of life as kind of like that, where we see a parade going by, and we're standing at one point. We've got our kids around us, and we see things. We see life happening just like a parade, and you see one float at a time. Here comes the next float. Here comes the next one. Ooh, that's a nice one. Oh, I like this one. I wish this one was going slower, because that's a really great float as it goes by. And then here comes that next float that's full of clowns. I don't like clowns clowns scare me. I don't enjoy seeing clowns. I don't know who came up with clowns and said you should have them at your children's birthday parties, but they were wrong. They're frightening. But, but, but life works in much the same way. You know, the floats are going by. Life is going by. Oh, this is a great circumstance. Oh, this is wonderful. Here comes the scary clown float. This is not good. This is not good. This is not good. My kids are crying. Everyone's screaming. They're hiding behind my legs. What's going on? Get back, clown! Get back! I'm trying to run up, and what are you trying to do? Snatch my kid? Get away! But that's kind of the way we, we see it. But, but it's, all, it's all that we see. We see that scary part that comes into our lives, and that's all we can see. We forget about the great things that just happened, and we don't know what great things are still coming. But God sees the whole picture. He sees the parade as it stands from beginning to the end. And He knows every float, every circumstance, everything that's going to roll by your life. And so even though some of it may be objectionable, frightening, not right to you, something you don't want to deal with... He knows that it's going to pass you by and He's going to help you in the middle of it. He will protect you. He will watch over you. His authority is in you. You are a citizen of heaven. It won't last forever and it'll pass you by and something brand new will come. That's the way He works. And so you can trust Him. He knows that there's more coming and He has good in mind. If it's not good... It's just not the end. I think it also reveals some things about the disciples here in this storm. Just like it revealed some things about Jesus and who he was, it revealed some things about the disciples, too. It said for sure that they didn't quite have him figured out yet, they didn't understand exactly who he was. And Jesus called the men of little faith. Little faith. Now, i got to commend them a little bit because they did have a measure of faith in Jesus, and that was good. That's right. They ran to him for help, didn't they? I mean, they, they got up, and they knew where to go, and they knew that he could help them. And they placed as much confidence in him as they thought that maybe he could accomplish. But maybe he called them little faith because maybe their faith was deficient to the task at hand. Maybe they didn't quite see him enough and who he really was to understand what he could do. And so he said, you guys, you have such little faith. Because who knows, I I like to think that maybe, just perhaps, they they could have gone back to him and awoken him thinking that, well, look, we're about to drown, everybody's bailing water, so he's got two more hands, doesn't he? Wake him up! Get him up, have him cup his hands, get over here and help us get this water out of here. We need some more help. Or maybe they were thinking, hey, he's got two big buff arms, he's strong. Wake him up, give him an oar, get, out of, get us out of here. We need your help. Maybe they just didn't quite see who he really was. They didn't quite understand to, that he could exercise authority over the entire storm not just bail some water or row through it a little bit quicker, but that he could exercise his authority over the whole thing and change the circumstances completely. So the question that I really want to ask you today is simply this. Who is he to you? Who is he to you? How do you see him today? Is he somebody that can just kind of cup his hands and help you a little bit? Is he somebody that He's got some strength and some power, but he's kind of far off. And so give him an oar, and maybe as you do what you can do to get through, he'll kind of come alongside and help you out, and you guys will get through it together? Or is he the one that you can say, God, I can't, I can't do this anymore. I can't do this anymore. You have to do it all. You have to exercise authority over the circumstances in my life. And though I might have to endure the storm a little bit longer, I trust you to get me through. Who is he to you? A more complete knowledge of who he really is and what he can actually do could have allowed all of those disciples to have a totally different experience here. It could have possibly even allowed them to sleep through the storm as well. To just grab a cushion, lay out, drool, And just have a great time rocking back and forth because he's in charge. Our ultimate hope can't be to live free from storms. That's not the way that God designed us. We can't live saying, I just have to get through and then I can. And meanwhile, there's little boys that need their daddies. Meanwhile, there's wives that need strong husbands Meanwhile, there's husbands that need wives to engage and and help with that family and support. Meanwhile, there are co-workers who are lost and dying and in need of Jesus. Meanwhile, there's a church in Austin that has been and is continuing to grow. And now we can come alongside and help and participate in advancing the kingdom of God in this city. It's too important for us to be knocked down, to be overwhelmed to be overtaken in grief and depression and struggle, fight. And listen, I'm not so ignorant to think that that you don't suffer. I'm not saying that. I'm not trying to communicate that. Because I know that life is difficult. I'm simply saying that I believe that through God's power work in us, the ups and the downs don't have to be so extreme. You don't have to get knocked out every time you go down. Maybe they can be just a little bit more calm. And the highs can be high. And those lows, they can be not so bad. And when it does reach down into the low, he can pull us up and say, you're going to be okay. And I think he exemplifies this here in this scene. I mean, just picture the scene for just a minute. See the scene, what's going on. Because I think there's a little bit of a method to the madness that happens in this passage. Now, it might be a bit of a stretch, Because in Mark, you read the same account, it's a little bit different, but when you read through it here in Matthew, this is what happens. The storm hits, everybody's nervous, everybody's afraid, Jesus is asleep, and they go back and they wake him up, and what does Jesus do first? He does not stand up and say, what, what, oh my, why didn't you guys wake me up sooner? Do you not know that you could have drowned? This is so dangerous. I can't believe you let me sleep through all this. What am I going to do? He didn't do that. What did he do first? He woke up. Looks at the scene, which by the way is this. Disciples going mad, bailing water. Everybody running around as best they could trying to get the water out. Water crashing into the boat. He's looking around. According to this passage, this is where it's a little bit of a stretch, perhaps, but he doesn't get up and, and, and have his moment of panic. He looks around in the middle of all of it, and he goes, why are you guys so afraid? What are you worried about? Why do you have such little faith? What's going on? And then he stands up, and then he walks forward, and then he calms it. He's saying, listen, why are you so afraid? I'm not. I'm not afraid, and I'm here for you. I'm not afraid, and I'm living in you. I'm here. I'm in the middle of the storm with you, and I'm not scared. I'm at peace because I'm in control. I have the authority, and I live in you. Our ultimate goal can't be to live between the storms. It's got to be to just know and trust the one who can master those storms. That's got to be our goal. That's got to be where we set our target. That's got to be the place we pursue. Let me just read this from Psalm chapter 33 and then we'll wrap this up. Psalm chapter 33. You can turn there if you have your Bibles if you want to. I'm just going to read a couple verses real quick because I want to just, I read this actually the other day in my Bible reading, my daily Bible reading, and probably many of you did as well if you're on the same plan. But Psalm 33, 12, this is who we serve. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people he chose for his inheritance. From heaven the Lord looks down and sees all mankind. From his dwelling place he watches all who live on earth. from death, and to keep you strong when you feel weak and you don't have enough to make it. We wait in hope for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. In him our hearts rejoice, for we trust in his holy name. May your unfailing love rest upon us, O Lord, even as we put our hope in you. Our tendency, I think, is to trust in the mastery of the storm. It's the trust in the completion of the storm. But what we must do is simply trust in the master of the storm. Not in its completion, but in the one who has the ultimate control over it. And you might say, Brent, that seems a little short-sighted. I know, you you know, you're still a fairly fairly young man. At least you look it. Maybe once you've lived a little bit more life. I I know, I get that, but you know what? I think that it's still possible because I believe in what this Bible says. And I've watched great leaders of the faith who've endured incredible hardships and have walked through it, still advancing the kingdom of God in their generation. I think about martyrs, martyrs full of the Spirit of God that I've read about through the, through the centuries. And as they've stood, literally tied to a stake, being burned for their beliefs, there are stories of them with smiles on their faces and hearts lifted toward heaven, singing praise and honor and glory to Jesus in the middle of that. If they can live that life because Jesus lives in them, then we can push through the storms of life. As we learn to trust him, so what does it take then? Well, let's let's just talk about three things quickly. Number one, you got to know who he is. You have to know him. You have to know who he is. I've outlined just a few things, but it's not even scratched the surface of who he really is. It means that we all have to investigate. We all have to get to know. We all have to exalt him like we did this morning. We all have to spend time in the word and in prayer. We've got to invest. You've got to know who he is for us. The second thing, we, you've got to know who you are because of who he is. You've got to know who you are because of who he is and what he's done in you and the things that are available to you through him and through your relationship with him. All authority in heaven on earth. A citizen of heaven. Someone who is always out for your good, eventually. You've got to know who you are because of who he is. And the third thing, once you discover those two things, you just simply have to trust him. I think when it comes down to it, it ends up being simple. You just have to trust him. You have to stop trying to control and manipulate. Stop trying to bail the water by yourself. Stop trying to row through it and get through it on your own. But trust him to do it. Lay back. Try to rest. Try to relax. Allow him to do what only he can do. Trust him. And by the way, the calm, you know, it is coming. In this passage, he did calm it. He calmed that storm. It may not be as fast as you want, but he did calm it. It may not come how you want it. It may not come when you want it. It may take weeks. It may take months. It may take years. In fact, for some, in some circumstances, it might be that you finish out this life and go on to eternity. But one day, one day, every storm will be calmed. And you can rest in that. And in the meantime, you have the promise and the assurance that He is with you. So would you close your eyes, please? We wrap up. I just believe in this strongly because I believe that our families... In our careers, our callings, the kingdom of God, our city, the loss in our city. It all means too much for us to be overwhelmed, depressed, angry, upset, knocked out. It means too much. Got to learn to trust and allow him to do what he says he would do. So I'll ask you the question one more time as you contemplate and think about. Just open up your heart for just a second and ask yourself this question. What kind of man is this? The disciples asked it. Now let's all ask it together. What kind of man is this? And who is he to you today? Who is this man to you is He somebody that will just come along and bail some water? Is that the limit of His strength and authority? Remember, the storm that you walk through and how you walk through it does say, does communicate what you really believe. Because you can stand up all day and say, No, 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 I believe. I believe that He's got all this power and authority. But the way that we respond ultimately says what we truly believe in our hearts. So if you're unwilling to relinquish, to relent, to allow him to move and to work, that's communicating so much more than you just proclaiming, yes, I believe. If you really believe, then you can start to take your hands off a little bit. Is he somebody that's just another body to help you row through the storm? Or is He the master of the storm for you today? Who is He to you today? Who is He? I'd like to take just a moment to pray with you. Because some of you are walking through it right now, you're fighting, you're going through the storm and it's rough and it's hard and I, I know it's just, it's not easy but I know that he's with you. And he wants to be with you. And he wants to reveal himself today as the master over the storm that you face. It looks intimidating. It looks frightening. But he knows how to control it. He knows how to get you through it. How many of you would be honest and just say, Brent, I confess, I haven't seen him as strong as he truly is. today I want to I want to trust Him and I want Him to come and help me walk through this storm that I'm facing today would you pray with me would you just slip your hand up real quick we'd love to pray with you okay yeah okay anybody else lots of hands okay anybody else anybody else yeah right on anybody else This is what we're all here for. And there might be another group of you that would say today, you know what, Brent, Uh, as we've gone through communion and as we talked about this God that would come, give His only Son to come to earth and to die on a cross and to be buried in a tomb and rise again three days later and through that sacrifice provide the way for me to receive help and healing and live forever in eternity with Him, that's somebody that I want to know. That's somebody that I want to invest in a relationship with. Somebody who loves me that much and somebody who you say can really genuinely give me the strength to push through this thing, that's somebody that I'd like to know. So whether it's maybe the first time that you've said yes to Jesus or maybe it's the first time in a long time, but today you'd like to re-sign up and say yes, yes to Jesus, would you just lift your hand today? Anyone? Cool, okay, yeah, who else, anybody else, just slip it up really quick, just say yeah, sign me up again, I need Jesus, I want to pray with you, I I want you to, first we're going to pray together and just, we're going to ask that Jesus would come and deliver and save, and then I'm going to pray for all of you that, Raised your hand, so I want us all to recite this prayer together. And you know, there's no magic words, there's no, no great um, significance to all of us saying this together, but there is significance to you professing and proclaiming this prayer and turning away from your old life. But I do believe that just by you raising your hand, that you've already signed up once more and said yes to Jesus. But I'd like us all to pray this prayer together and just mean it from your heart. Say, dear Jesus. say it strong, dear Jesus, I want you, I believe in you, I believe that you came to earth, that you died on a cross, and that you rose again, and that you did it so that I could be whole, free. Today I renounce my old life, and I receive new life in you. Save me. Help me to live this new life. Thank you, in Jesus' name. Now, Father, I pray for every one of my friends today that is struggling and fighting through, for everyone who's living the storm and who maybe has not seen you in the way that you truly are, for who you really are. I pray for the revelation, the spirit of the living God inside of them to give them clarity on your great strength and your great power and your great authority. I pray that today that you would give them the strength to push through. Give them the endurance that only you can give. Give them the perseverance that only you can give. Today let peace rule and reign in their hearts. Peace that transcends understanding. Let the joy of the Lord be strength and life to them today. Help them to walk with strength. Head lifted high. Trusting in the one who has the mastery over the storm. Pray that you would walk them through and give them hope today in the powerful name of Jesus. And
1: everybody said, Amen. That was a great message. Come on, let's thank God for Brent. The last thing we're going to do today is we're going to give of our tithes and offerings. Uh, We're going to share with what God has given us uh, by giving in this offering. And so I want to encourage you, if you you actually responded to what Pastor Brent was saying just a few moments ago by raising your hand, if you committed your life to Christ... Uh, I would love to know about that. I'd like to help you with next steps. That's why that connection card is so important. If you just mark that box uh, you committed your life to Christ or you recommitted your life to Christ, we want to help you take the next few steps. So put that in the offering as it goes by here. And so if it's your first time today at One Chapel, we we don't expect you to give in the offering. This is something that we've committed to do as people who belong to One Chapel. This is our family. This is our home. This is the 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 people we've chosen to belong to. And so we believe that the kingdom of God goes forth from this place and as a result of us banding together and and pooling our resources. And we believe God uses it and expands it and uses it for his kingdom to serve people who are in need. And really, it's sent all around the world to missionaries, those who are, are, are... really sharing the gospel in the darkest places part of your offering will go to that today and so uh if you want to give in the offering we'd love for you to do that we give not because we have to not because it's duty but because it is worship it's simply a way of of loving jesus with our most tangible possession so would you stand up with me and let's worship the lord with our giving and so um heavenly father we love you We thank you for what you're doing. We thank you for what you've said to us today. We thank you for illuminating our hearts and minds, giving us confidence in the storm. And so, Lord, we give in this offering, full of faith, full of believing that you are able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or even think. And so, Lord, would you multiply this gift that we give. We give it because we love you. We give it with joy, and we give it as worship to you. Use it for your kingdom and your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, let's worship the Lord together.